Hey there, everybody. Welcome to another episode of Stock Talk. This is a little podcast slash video that I like to put together once a week uh, in this little part of the universe where I like to talk about all things investing, talk about what's going on in the market, some of my own observations of what I'm seeing, what's going on in the market, sharing with you some other people's observations and perspectives of what's going on in the whole investing stock market thing. And also more importantly to share with you some of my own personal decisions that I'm making uh, with my own investment decisions really. Hopefully with a goal of just for you to ultimately take about take some of those nuggets of information, some of the talk, take some of the thought processes that I'm putting into making these investment decisions and kind of figure out all the stuff that's going out there. Hopefully you can bring it back to your own personal uh, situations and uh, benefit from it. Uh, one of the things I really want to do here with what I try to do here with Stock Talk is just not to just talk around investing, but let's talk about talk. Let's just talk investing and not talk about it in sort of abstract kind of terms. Talk about kind of roll up your sleeves. Let's start talking about some stuff that's going on with companies, with stocks, with ETFs, and see how we can make investment decisions around that. So. Thank you very much for, for, for dropping in. My name is Amin Reina, and I'm an investment coach and founder of Sage Investors. And as an investment coach, what I do is I try to help people who, who want to become more financially independent. But the problem for a lot of people when they're trying to become more financially independent is, and especially when it comes to investing, is people tend to feel really intimidated, frustrated, and confused by this whole stock market ETF mutual fund concept. They either don't know where to start because they really want to get into investing, but they don't really don't know where to start, or they've been investing for a long time but just aren't making enough traction with their portfolios. So what I do as an investment coach is I teach people, I, I engage with people on how to make more educated and ultimately more successful investment decisions so that they can achieve a certain level of freedom, of financial freedom in their lives and achieve it with confidence. So this is episode, I've got to make sure I'm right here. This is episode 101. Uh, I've been so hung up on this 100 episode thing. I'm kind of like, oh yeah, I've got to keep going now. So this is episode 101. And today is, as I said, one of the things I want to, I try to do here with, with Stock Talk, with my podcast is to talk really get into the roll up our sleeves, get into the whole meat and potatoes of investing. And so today is probably one of my more favorite kind of episodes that I like to do. Um, and it's also one of the more popular episodes. Uh, people really seem to like these uh, these one of these episodes that I do. And that's it's, it's investment decision day. Today is a day uh, where I'm just basically gonna share with you some of my most recent investment decisions. And more specifically, uh, share with you the thought process. What, what am I thinking when I'm making? Like, what am I trying to do and what, am, what process am I going through um, in formulating an investment decision to do these things, to buy something, to sell something, to hold something? Um, because I really feel strongly uh, as an investment coach, you know, as somebody who teaches people how to invest, um, it's one thing for me to, to kind of teach people the mechanics and the behavioral side of investing, of stocks and ETFs, it's a totally different thing to actually model the behavior and model the actions and the lessons and the learnings that I'm trying to teach. And so I really take a lot of pride in practicing what I teach. And so to me, these episodes, I love doing these episodes because it's really, I'm just trying to show um, that I'm really practicing what I teach. And uh, so 
It's interesting because the previous month, uh, I made I made a quite a few investment decisions. So what I'm gonna do, and because I just don't wanna have a, a really long episode, is I'm kind of actually gonna break this down into two separate episodes. Today I'm gonna talk about some of my my decisions involving adding and adding, you know, buying more stock for a port position I have and selling um, ultimately uh, whatever, uh, some stocks that I had. And in the next episode, and it'll probably, I'll probably bundle it into, into, into one episode. In the next episode, I'm gonna talk about the new stocks that I add because I go through a bit of a process uh, asking questions um, in that one. So I'm gonna do those ones in another episode. So, so for today, as I said, let's look at what I did. I'm gonna share with you what I did in the, uh, in the previous month in terms of what I did with my existing positions. And so I, there's a few things that I did. The first thing I did was I decided to increase my position, uh, my short position on the S&P 500. For those of you who have been, have been following my podcasts and following my blog, I've been over I've been over the last couple of years I've had a pretty significant short position on the S&P 500 and and it's not been a great decision because clearly if you look at what the market's been doing over the last 10 years um, you know literally if you just look at what's happening this year we are at the point now where the Dow Jones Industrial has set record highs on 60 days 60 trading days it set a record high uh, Mutual fund companies, investment companies are holding the lowest amounts of cash in their portfolio. Um, investor sentiment is just ridiculously strong. People are uber bullish. Um, and so everybody is all in on stocks and the market just keeps going up and up and up. And so here I am holding a pretty large short position on the stock market, on the S&P 500. And despite the fact that there's all kinds of, you know, you can put, look one direction, and there's some kind of indicator and a data point that's going to tell you that you know what the market's overvalued, it's overpriced. Um, you know, you look at things like uh, margin debt. Um, you look at case show the Case Shiller price earnings, which is flashing like crazy, overpriced. Um, you look at the market psychology. People are, like uh, investors are super uber bullish right now on, on stocks. And then you just layer on top of all this the technical side of the markets. You layer on top of it the uh, just the, the stuff, the garbage that's going on around the world with what's, what's going on with the Mad King in the US, stuff that's going on in Europe, like it's just nuts. And yet stocks keep going up and up. So this month, I just, you know, it's been a tough trade, I'll be honest with you. When you're seeing your portfolio kind of, when you're seeing that position just keep going down and down and down and down, it's kind of, it's tough. And there's times where I've gone, you know what, I think I need to get out. I think, you know what, I think I'm done. I think I've, it's too much now and I don't know if I'm gonna recover. Um, but then I just keep going. I just go back to the number, the evidence, really, and I look back, you know, history and just common sense, and I'm going, this is what's going on right now, and I've done, as you, I've done a few podcasts on this. This is not sustainable. This is not, you know, okay, n not normal. Like, when you have this amount of kind of exuberance, and we've had situations in history where we've had this exact level of exuberance, it doesn't end well, and... I just, the back of me is just, back of my mind is just saying, this is not going to end, this is going to end really bad. And I think I want to be protected in that sense. I think I want to keep my portfolio protected. Um, I could just go all cash. That's one aspect I've thought about is just, you know what, just go back in cash. 
Um, but I just see that this element is just out there and I just see this having a real major correction coming out there. The problem is we don't know when it's going to happen. I wish I knew like a specific ETA when this is going to happen, but that's the thing that sucks about investing is there's no firm arrival departure times for market events. They just happen. Bubbles explode. They just happen. Markets get bull markets. They just happen. You just can't, you know, isolate the moment to time the market to figure out. So. You know, the way I, I kind of think about it is that maybe I'm just early. I've been early. Maybe I'm early to this whole thing. And uh, yeah, and so I'm thinking, you know what? Fundamentals of what's going on in the marketplace, the technical indicators of what's going on are, are not good. And so I think I want to be protected on that side. So I, I decided, you know what? My position is down quite significantly. And I think to sell everything right now is probably the worst thing I can do right now. I think I'm all in on the short side. I'm not all in. I've got a significant portion of my portfolios are in short. You know, um, that being said, I'm still out there buying individual stocks and ETFs where I think there's value and there's upside and I've done well with it. Um, but I still have this short position which I think I, I, I'm almost like I just have to see it through. And uh, in a way I'm looking at it as more as, as an insurance purchase. It's just insurance. So I looked at it and I go, you know what, I'm just going to add more to my short position and just kind of average my costs down even more um, and just keep positioning it uh, that way. And when things happen, they will happen. Um, it's a tough trade and it's one of those things when you kind of feel, and this is one of the, the emotional side of, I guess, of investing, the behavioral side that really comes into play is when you feel like you're so right about something but it's just not playing out. How is how do you balance those your emotions with the practicality out there? And so my emotional side keeps telling me get the hell out. Um, but I'm just looking at the practicality of it. I'm looking at the history of it. I've been through a few of these kind of, you know, I, you know I've been investing for a long time. I've been, you know, I guess I have the benefit of looking at history a little bit, and it's just telling me this is crap. So it, then I, I just come back away from the edge and I say, you know what, I just, I have to see it through. And so I just add more, I've decided to add more. So I added more to my position, my short position on the S&P 500. So that was my one big move that I was kind of grasping with the last month. Um, the second decision I made it was I decided to buy more shares in CVS Health, ticker symbol CVS. Um, my cost position was about $79 when I have, my average cost was $79. And the stock fell below 70 bucks during the month. It went as low as 69 bucks. And so I, I made a decision to buy more stock to basically average down the position. And so what do I think about CVS? I still think CVS is a really great business. I think it's one of the best of breed pharmacy companies, health service companies out there. Um, they generate still significant levels of economic profit. They have a really great balance sheet, clean balance sheet, and uh, the stock is cheap still. On a valuation perspective, the stock still is cheap. So why is the stock going down, and then why am I buying more of it? Well, the big thing that's happened right now, and it's kind of been the thing in the, pharma the pharmacy sector, is Amazon. Amazon has been kind of starting to be a lot more vocal about wanting to get into the pharmacy business. They've actually, and it was kind of just talk, but what's happened now is they've kind of shown some actions, they've shown some cards in the sense that they're actually going out and applying for licenses to sell uh, pharmaceutical products uh, in the US. And so 
Everybody right now is, as soon as Amazon and its kind of eye of Sauron looks upon a sector, that sector gets schmucked. And that's what's happening with CBS and that's what's happening with most of the pharmacy kind of companies like Walgreens. Um, they're just take, getting, they're getting schmucked. And, uh, and, uh, and so the perception is Amazon's gonna come in and disrupt and uh, lower the prices. And it's gonna be great for consumers because price health, uh, medical like, drugs are gonna go down and it's gonna be easier to get drugs. You don't even have to go to a pharmacy, just go up, get your drugs online and refill them and everything. And so that's how people are thinking about Amazon, kind of blowing up the traditional cash cow, I guess, of, of, of pharmacies. But, um, and what's interesting though, is and so the stock has been slowly um, eroding in value. Um, but the company isn't just sitting there and going, oh, okay, well, we're just gonna wait for Amazon and go on. They are, seem to be a company that's not resting on its laurels. And case in point, while the stock was going down quite a bit, as soon as Amazon was kind of vocal about getting into pharmacy, they were, uh, CBS went out and said, we're gonna actually make an offer for Aetna Insurance, one of the biggest insurance companies uh, in the US, uh, healthcare uh, insurance companies uh, in, in the US. And so it's interesting what they're doing. The response has been not just, just sort of like, oh, well, Amazon's coming, we're done, we're going to go to bed. They're playing offense. And so management has decided to play a little bit of offense and say, you know what, we're going to diversify a little bit of our, our, our portfolio and kind of build not just a pharmacy business, but an overall health platform. And health insurance is a pretty important part, especially in the US, um, part of that health services component. So now, you can see that they're kind of trying to build a bit of a wider moat and have a bit of a more defensive kind of um, posture. So if they have that insurance component, that's gonna maybe insulate them from the pressures, the pricing pressures that could potentially come up from an, from an Amazon or a Walmart kind of thing. So, and the market liked that. So the stock actually bounced up. It's now, it went over, it's over 70, $71 I think right now. Um, so the market liked that in the sense it's building out that uh, it's building it's trying to build out a, a bigger moat to protect itself, insulate itself from the pressures out there, competitive pressures. So that's good. And again, it's, it shows me that management is a bit forward thinking in a sense, and that's what we want that's to see as investors. That's what I want to see as a shareholder. Um, are there risks to CVS buying Aetna? Well, of course. And the thing that I kind of see is, especially with CVS trying to be have a kind of an umbrella of different types of health services is it that approach or that model is not that different from what the banking industry did in the 2000s early 2000s where Citigroup tried to be not just a bank but an insurance company a wealth management company um, or an investment bank you know all of these and a, and a branch retail bank mortgages financing kind of stuff it tried to be all things and obviously that model never played out so that's the one thing i'm kind of concerned about with cbs and i'm kind of have to see how it plays out is is the same history going to repeat with healthcare providers in building these wide conglomerate kind of businesses um, service uh, businesses versus is it going to be the same story and the same ending as what the financial services industry went through? We all have that all kind of uncertainty going on with the healthcare debate going on in the U.S. That's on top of all this. 
Um, so from that perspective, there's a bit of uncertainty, but I kind of like the forward-thinking nature of management. So I said, you know what, the stock's down to 69. This is a profitable business. This is not a business going out of, they're not going broke. They have tons of cash in the bank. They can go out and buy an Aetna. They may have to lever up for it, but they, they, got, they got the leverage and they got the financial resources to pull it off. And if they can make it a good integration, then hey, it's probably gonna be a, a, a company that's gonna be really hard to beat. So I went in and I bought it. So my low market, my cost base on CBS now is $77. So that was another decision that came up where I was kind of wrestling, you know what, is this kind of a game? Is the fact that Amazon coming in and getting into pharmacy a negative game changer moment for CBS? And it's on the surface, on a, you know, first level thinking, first order thinking, listen to my previous podcast there, um, could tell me, yeah, this is probably bad news and I want to get out. But then second level thinking is telling me that, you know what, adding an insurance component probably is going to insulate the company a little bit further and it's still a wealth creating company. Um, there's probably some upside. I think there's still some upside in the stock. This shouldn't be a stock that's going to like 20 bucks tomorrow. So. When I weighed that through, that's kind of how I came to that decision to buy more uh, CVS shares. Again, it's not a popular decision. I'm going, I'm going contrary to what all those experts are talking about. I'm making a contrarian investment decision. Um, I'm going against the grain. Again, second level thinking, right? Um, and challenging the conventional thinking. Yeah, Amazon comes in, Amazon destroys all companies, Amazon wins. And one of the things I'm learning about Amazon is just because Amazon enters a space doesn't give them entitlement to all the cash flows and profits and well and revenues, revenue streams that are in that base. It still has to compete. And Amazon's a company that has no core competencies in pharmaceutical and especially understanding the regulatory nature because Amazon has never competed in a regulatory environment. So what's to say they're going to jump in and just do what they're doing before? You don't know. And that's why companies like CBS, who have the competencies, the core competencies, the experience, obviously, the, the tools necessary to, to, man to maneuver through this regulatory environment, they just, they're not going away. <laughs> and if anything, they'll get bought out. So um, I don't see that as being um, a threat on that side. So that was my CVS decision. So the last one I'm gonna talk about, and this is kind of the biggie. Um, I went through a lot of, if you, if you didn't think I was going through enough emotions and back and forth with those with, with shorting the market and CVS, well, I got a, I got a lot more to tell you because my third decision that I, I made, which was a tough one, again, another tough decision, which was I initially made a decision to hold on to G General Electric. I had a position in General Electric in my son's RESP portfolio. This is for my American friends. It's, um, it's like an education savings uh, portfolio for your kids' college, university, and all that. And uh, so GE was one of my kind of core positions. It was, it was a position in his portfolio. And so I made a decision, and we in the last month, there's been all kinds of crap going on with GE. And first, I guess, let's talk, before we get into the garbage, let's just talk about why I went into, uh, why I had it in my kids' portfolio. The nature of the type of stocks I wanted to hold in my kids' portfolios are, I wanted, you know, blue chip, best of breed, high quality businesses that have dominant positions in their various sectors. And so when I look at GE, it is one of those big blue chip, you know, traditional, high quality, it pays a dividend, people love that, but that's not, you know, it's not part of it. Um, you know, they have dominant best of breed positions in places like healthcare, healthcare equipment, um, power, uh, aerospace. Like a lot of their divisions have crazy back orders. They're busy. 
they're creating solid wealth, uh, despite you know the recent stuff that's gone on. Um, they stripped out a lot of their. They used to be a heavily financial oriented business, but they stripped that out. They got out of that after the financial crisis, and have been kind of we. So they're very much a pure play manufacturing industrial company, global reach, and have dominant positions in a lot of their in various industries. So. To me, that's the type of stock I felt that I needed to own for, you know, put in my kid's portfolio for 20 years or 15 years and, 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 and run with it. It's just, it's, and I thought it's just a nice core kind of portfolio. So what's happened? So what happened? Well, GE stock has just been plummeting, 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 plummeting. Earnings have been coming in week. They're having been meeting uh, estimates. Um, it's a boring company. The thing about GE, it's a boring company. It's not Facebook. It's not Amazon. It's not Snap. It's not a sexy millennial-ish coming out of, you know, full of vigor, piss and vinegar, uh, piss and vinegar. It's a pretty stodgy, run-of-the-mill, muckety-muck company that just builds stuff and, and, you know, things like that. And the market's not into that right now. It's, it's Bitcoin, right? It's cryptos and stuff like that. So it's been a very out of favor stock. Investors just aren't into it. And uh, so the stock's been going down and down and the earnings have not been great. They've st this is still a very profitable business, but the earnings have been going down. And I think that's freaked out a lot of traditional investors. And it's gotten to the point where um, there's there were a lot of rumors out there that, that, that GE was gonna cut the dividend, their dividend. One of the things people love about GE is they pay a really nice, chunky, healthy dividend, 3%, 3.5%. A lot of fixed income people, retirees, like, you know, can, uh, pension funds, love has G's like that core element in their portfolio. So when the rumors come around with the dividends are going to get cut, then people started really freaking out. The stock just kept going down and down and down and down. Um, so I had to make a decision. I go, and the stock was kind of near my kind of exit, my loss threshold of 20%. And so I had to make a decision, do I want to buy more and just hold the position or just do I want to sell it? The other thing that came out that's been coming out also is there's a new boss in town, the CEO, Jeffrey Immelt, uh, he left the company and now there's a new CEO, John Flannery. He's kind of taken over. And so there's been a lot of, and he's taking over the company, he's kind of in this crossroads moment in, in its business. So. Um, so I had to make this decision. What do I, should I just should I get out now and just cut my losses and get out? Or should I buy more shares or just hold and continue on? Because I'm taking a much, you know, I'm, I'm planning to hold stocks in my kids' portfolio for not, I'm not looking to trade through them. I'm looking to hold them for long periods of time and hopefully accumulate um, significant wealth and income through it. So um, ultimately I made a decision to hold the stock. Initially I made a decision to hold the stock. And the reason was, um, is I think usually they got a new boss in town. And usually when a new management uh, CEO comes in, they kind of like want to wipe the deck clean. And what they'll do in their earnings and in their uh, projections, they're just gonna basically assume the worst. And anything that can possibly go wrong with GE, they're gonna put it out there and they're gonna disclose it and just set the bar really, really low. And usually what they do is they set the bar low so that they can jump over it in the future and make the comparables look better. So. Right now I see what their GE seems to be doing is setting the bar really, really low. So that's one aspect. The second aspect that got me to kind of like want to hold on to the stock was um, the, the, the new CEO's kind of cultural approach. And one of the things that came out that nobody apparently knew about was that Imelt, previous CEO, whenever he flew around, he's obviously flying around the world, it's multinational corp, um, he flew in his jet, but then he actually bought another jet 
to fly behind him or along with him in case the first jet breaks down. And to me, that was when people found, and, and he did it without really telling anybody. Nobody knew about this until just recently. And so a lot of it, it could be, to me, that was kind of maybe a, uh, a highlight moment because maybe it's kind of a symptom of what the culture was there at GE. And maybe this culture that that was going on over there, and this goes back to Jack Welch, because ML was one of Jack Welch's boys, um, really wasn't all what Jack Welch, you know, that mystique and everything about it as the corp, you know, the, the celebrity CEO. Yeah, maybe it wasn't all that. Maybe it just wasn't really all what, you know, the media and how he hyped himself up to be. Maybe it was just crap. And so, the new CEO said, screw this, we're getting rid of the jet, none of this garbage, I don't need people following me all over the place. He stripped all that stuff out, and he's kind of putting it out there that a lot of the things, a lot of the fat and garbage that was going on before, entitlement stuff that was going on before, is probably going to be done. And so, I, from as again, as an investor, as a shareholder, yeah, I, that's what I want to see. I want to see efficiency. I want to see, you know, focus on the business, not all the fluffy garbage. So when I took these elements together, to me that just said, you know what? I think I'm going to hold on to the stock for now. And but, you know, if anything garbage comes up, I'm pulling the trigger, I'm out. And it's not like, uh, so I put the company really on a short leash. That was my initial decision. So literally several days after I decided to make that decision, stock crapped out even more. And it fell, my loss position was below 20%. And what happened is the rumors about the dividend cut, they cut the dividend, they cut it in half. Um, and then they also updated their projections and they were saying their upcoming uh, projections for next year were actually going to be not even as good as what they initially thought. So it was actually worse. Market took it, basically punted the stock. They took all kinds of crap and I was past my 20% roll and I just said, you know what? I have to follow my playbook. My playbook is if a stock, if I'm down over 20% or more, if I cross that threshold, I'm out. No questions asked. There's a bad decision, move on, preserve capital. And so that's what I did, I sold it. And even though it was for my son's portfolio and I was, basically my mandate is to hold these stocks for long, long periods of time, the 20% loss rule just kicked in right there. I didn't even question it, didn't even ask it, I didn't even have a second thought, boom, out, done. And that's kind of the key, um, that's kind of a key, you know, a takeaway, I hope I can share with you folks. And the, to me, the whole experience, it was very much an up and down roller coaster experience holding GE stock. I've held it in the past and I've done well with it. And this, this time it just didn't work out. It just didn't work out. So, hey, and that's that's the, some of the takeaways I want to get you for. You can do a lot of analysis and studying and research. And you know what? You're still going to make decisions that aren't going to pan out. So here's GE, a very blue chip. Everybody owns it in a portfolio somewhere. And uh, dominant brand, best of breed company, tanking dividend getting cut, a lot of bad stuff happening. And so guess what? Stocks are risky. And this is one of the things that gets, scares me about what's going on right now is people are just throwing money into stocks without even looking at the risk profile of what they're investing in. Stocks are risky. Even the ones that we think are nice blue chip companies, they can go down. The price of their stocks can go down. The company can materially change pretty fast. And you have to be aware, you can't just rest on your laurels. You have to be engaged in your investment. So that's one takeaway. Um, you can't assume anything. Just don't assume, yeah, gee, yeah, it's the blue chip, so it's gonna be fine. You know, that's that recency bias, or you know, recency bias, just because it's great in the past doesn't mean it's gonna be great in the future. You have, to, you have to challenge. You have to be constantly looking at your portfolio, looking at your investments, and constantly criticizing them, and critiquing them, and taking them down. So what could go wrong with these things? And being kind of, 
have that mindset out there. So that's the other thing. And the final thing is, as I've kind of alluded to, is yeah, you know what? You're going to make bad decisions and you need to have an exit strategy when you make those bad decisions. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. You can set your watch to it. You will make bad decisions. Everybody, Buffett, Lynch, Tepper, who the hell you want to do it? Jimmy Choo, like Prem Watson, you throw the names out there. They've all made crappy investment decisions, but they know how to manage them. And that's what makes them great investors. They know how to get out. They know they have a strategy and it's not uh, an emotional strategy. It's a, it's a playbook and they execute it to the T. And so you have to build that discipline into your, into your playbook, into your ideology. Understand you want you want focus on the upside. You want your investments to do well, but guess what? There's going to be times where some of your investments are not going to do well, and you need to kind of control how you manage those losses. And so that's the other takeaway. And it's something I work with quite a bit with with my uh, with my clients is helping them be more aware of managing losses, setting exit strategies, developing exit strategies for their investments because you just can't get to that point when something bad happens and just let emotions make that decision because then you're gonna be in more trouble because chances are you're gonna hold a stock even longer and you're gonna lose more money and it's gonna be hard for you, harder for you to recover. And that's what happens to a lot of people. Emotions take that decision. So despite that, I sold the stock. But at the same time, as I said, I think this is a good business. I think they have some really great assets. As I said, they're our best of breed business in quite a few sectors, significant sectors, healthcare, um, health, medical, medical health technology, power. Power side of it is kind of dull because oil prices have been so depressed so people aren't buying as much equipment. But they are one of the dominant players in that side. The aerospace side of it, they you know build engines and things like that that supply the industry. They are a player in those sectors. So long term, I could see if the stock keeps going into like the low teens or something like that, I might might seriously jump in and buy back more. So that's kind of, uh, and that's, you gotta be ready for that when you've got your playbook, when you've developed your playbook. So that's what I'm gonna share with you today. In the next episode, I'm gonna talk about the new stocks that I purchased in my portfolio. And I'm gonna walk you through kind of how I thought through ultimately coming to that decision whether to, to buy these stocks into my portfolio. So that'll be in the next episode. Um, so you can catch that. It'll probably be on, not this week, but probably be the following week. We'll have, uh, we'll have that. But if you're on my website, you can, you'll definitely hear about it. So that's all I got for you. So as I said, I love doing these investment decision episodes because I'm, I'm, t- I'm rolling up my sleeves and I'm just showing you the stuff that all of us face when we're making decisions, when we're investing. We ha- so investing is about decisions and ultimately you want to make good decisions. And so if you have a thought process and a framework of how you frame those decisions, chances are, and you're, and you're strict to it, chances are you're going to make a lot more positive investment decisions than bad investment decisions. So if you have any questions about what I've done, talked about here today, feel free, you can reach out to me, various ways you can reach out to me. Um, On my Facebook page, Sage Investors, leave a comment, I'd love to hear what you have to say about it, about this stuff, or just talk about anything else you wanna ask. Um, On my website, sageinvestors.ca, as I said, I've actually, um, I'm talking about this stuff, but I actually blogged, uh, I've actually got three blog posts on all these investment decisions that I just made. And so actually the new investment decisions that I made, my decisions to buy Williams uh, Nordstrom and Winpack are actually, my write-ups and thought are, are already on my on the website. So you can actually go to the website, sageinvestors.ca, go to the blog page and uh, you can read up on it. And pretty much what I'm gonna talk about in the next episode will be a lot about what I, what I posted on my blog. Um, other ways you can get a hold of me, Every Wednesday, actually, uh, just a quick announcement in a sense, next Wednesday will be my last 
um, jump on to Facebook Live to just field, if you got investing questions, I'm on there between 8 p.m. and 9 p.m. on Wednesdays. Next Wednesday will be my last one. I'm gonna be taking December, maybe part of January off. It's Christmas time. I got other stuff I gotta do. And uh, so if you wanna uh, catch me through there, you can leave a question. I'm more than happy to answer questions about investing uh, over there. Also, another way you can reach out to me is through my emails. I also send out every Wednesday morning a uh, uh, an email, um, basically I call it in the loop, where I share with you updates to my blogs and podcasts, and also share with you research uh, articles, links to articles, and really cool art investment articles that I read, that I'm actually reading in and helping me formulate my own investment decisions. I also share with you a dashboard of some key economic, stock market, technical indicators that are out there just to give you a frame of mind of where things are in the markets, where things are in the economy, where things are with uh, investor sentiment. Just kind of help you kind of pick off some key information that'll kind of help you in a way frame, get you get you to get a bit of a baseline understanding of what's going on in the market. So you can do that. If you go to my homepage, sageinvestors.ca, there's a little sign up there on the homepage. If you wanna get on my mailing list, uh, it'd be great. We got a nice good crew right now, a nice slow growing crew of people who are who are who wanna be in the loop. So if you wanna get in the loop, jump on my website, uh, sageinvestors.ca. That's pretty much all I got for you this week. As I said, next week we'll continue on with another episode of Investment Decisions. And uh, it's good. I love this stuff. This is my, these are my favorite episodes. These are honestly my favorite. They're all great, but these are the ones about because this is where I'm practicing investing. I'm not talking about investing. I'm practicing investing real time, getting stuff done. So thank you very much for listening. If you want to catch all my previous podcasts, you can go through the website or you can go through iTunes, do search for Sage Investors. All my previous uh, podcasts are on iTunes, so you can download them from there. Thank you again so much for jumping in and listening away. And uh, thank you so much for listening. And thank you for so much for listening into another episode of Stock Talk. My name is Amin Reina of Sage Investors, and we'll catch you again another time. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs>